Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. I'm Brian Dawes. And I'm Chris Delano, and welcome back, Brian. Woo! <laughs> Uh, shout out to Brian's woo that uh, Chris now has to edit and make sure it doesn't break all the sound crackly barriers and stuff. Uh, I've gotten pretty good at it. Sorry. <laughs> is, this, is this our first episode back? No. No. We did, no, we, we did, did last, week. last week. We did Ravnica Law and Order. Look, I, I've had a very... I've been so productive this week. <laughs> I've done so many adult things. Um, I'm so responsibility, I don't know what time it is. Magic Story! Magic Story's back. We, uh, we are continuing with, uh, murders at Karloff Manor. I almost said Markov yet again. <laughs> um, it's, it's funny because, like, if you don't know Magic the Gathering, you probably just say murders at Karloff Manor every time because you have no reference for Markov. But if you were, like, ingrained in the game, like, my alliteration focused brain just wants to say markov um we can't let that happen and it doesn't help that markov manor is also a place of some notoriety in the the story so like oh, a, a whole bunch of murders happen yeah. there that's for sure yeah we're in uh got 10 chapters for the story which means story is gonna still be happening most likely when mm -hmm. you are listening to this podcast episode which is very exciting because we're talking about four stories today um and this is great. They're by Seanan McGuire. We love Seanan. Um, they're good. They're good stories. <laughs> this is a murder mystery set. Uh, I have never seen the kind of discussion about magic story as I have for this set. I have never seen so much discussion and theory crafting about, you know, who the killer is, how they did it, who else might get murdered this and that and whatever um this story has people fired up on our discord server which you can get by heading over to patreon.com slash the vorthos cast uh we're doing that at the beginning of this episode <laughs> uh i yeah like there's a lot of engagement there's a lot of people talking about it online uh i am pretty disconnected from the wider magic twitter for my own sanity uh, but I do see a lot of people tweeting about the story, like more than I'm I'm used to seeing. Uh, there's a lot of engagement on Reddit, which I also don't go to for my own sanity. But like I, I went and checked it out to see some theories and see what people were thinking. And like there were multiple threads going on of people talking about the story. So like this is a this is a big time to be in Magic Story. Uh, and I think the stories deserve it because they're super good. I mean, we've had really great stories recently, but like Shannon has knocked these out of the park so far by the day you're listening to this. If you listen on the day of release, which is like typically when a lot of people listen, uh, day of release will be the day that I think episode seven is coming out uh, because episodes five and six came out Thursday and Friday of the previous week and seven and eight should be coming out this week. And then, of course, nine and ten. Uh it's going to be wild. I don't know how much is going to change by the time this episode goes live. So for all I know, you're <laughs> listening and being like, oh, we know who did it. It was revealed in episode seven or episode six or something. So um, I'm I'm loving it. Yeah, I'm a little curious because I think the 
panel, not panel, um, the the weekly MTG on Tuesday, I think, or is it moving to a Thursday to do the start of preview season? You know, I said I don't actually know what day it is, so for I, I said anything. Yeah, I I actually think, and this is the thing I'm I'm like curious about. Uh, the the story runs until the 18th, but previews begin on the 16th. So previously, okay, yeah, that, that's Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, it's Tuesday. So like previously, we've had all of the story before preview started, but they're starting previews towards the end of the story. So for all we know, like most everything will be revealed by then and they'll just be like a denouement. But like, I don't know. I'm I'm curious because I don't know where this is going, because like we're not even discussing episode five uh, today, but like thing there's a lot going on. There's <laughs> a lot of clues a lot of herrings that may be red, a lot of herrings that may be red black. Uh, it's kind of hard to tell. Uh, herring are traditionally silver. <laughs> uh, well, in magic, they would be blue because they're fish. But like, you never know. Oh God, I hope they're red. Just, just, just for the wolves. <laughs> there, there is an artifact creature fish clue in the set. I think yeah. Mark Rosewater has confirmed that. So yeah. Rosewater's uh, card hints went up, and uh, there's some juicy stuff on there. A lot of people eyeing the legendary creature Mole God. But uh, let's not talk about those things. Let's talk about the story itself. Yeah. With uh, episode one, Ghosts of Our Past. Uh, This set takes place, I think, vaguely a year after the invasion, um, starring Kaya. Are, who is still a planeswalker. Uh, she has returned to Ravnica. That's a reference to an older set. Very clever. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> stupid. Um, she's back on Ravnica and hanging out with her old friend and uh, her, her her girl best friend, Tesa Karlov, uh, who is now guild leader of the Orzhov uh, because she has finagled the laws governing the guild while Kaya was gone to uh, claim the technical title from her. It's giving Doctor Strange and Wong energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, uh, Tessa's throwing a big party in her house. She lives in a massive mansion. That's the Karloff Manor in the Murders at Karloff Manor. Um, God, I hope nothing bad happens here. Spoiler alert, murders are going to happen here. <laughs> Tays is throwing a big party, uh, largely in celebration of an organization known as the Agency. Uh, shorthand, uh, I don't remember the longhand title of the Agency. Uh, they are a non-guild organization that has cropped up to help solve crimes uh, in the wake of the Phyrexian invasion. Ravnica is so devastated. The guilds themselves have lost so many members through either um, completion or death resisting the invasion. Um, everybody's stretched thin. There's not a lot of trust. Uh, we The plane really needed a neutral party to come in and say, hey, we're going to help solve crimes take the pressure off of everybody to, to take the pressure off of the guilds of ravnica that's a yeah that's another set name yeah <laughs> well so yeah it, like it's tricky because 
right now the guilds aren't getting along. There's not really a, a Ravnica allegiance. Oh, that's a good. That one. exists, yeah. um, <laughs> which is like kind of weird. For you know, Ravnica is the city of guilds, and so like, wow, um, how deep are we going with this, guys? <laughs> it's not going to be hard to do the other ones, really. I, I mean, mean, there's yeah. a lot of dissension between <laughs> leadership. Um, but thanks. If I just say that Niv Mizzix is the living guild pact that covers guild pact, we're um, gonna talk about the guild pact later. There's plenty of episode left. I've got <laughs> anyway, some lined up. I'm done with this you don't bit. have to take them all right now. So we're at a party. Um, Kaya spends a lot of time, um, not feeling trusted, but also kind of feeling very trusted by Tesa. They have a wonderful relationship. In my opinion, Shannon has once again accidentally written lesbians into Magic Story. Uh, <laughs> um, and so, you know, we get a lot of Kai's POV looking at the other important members of the party because this is the first story in a murder mystery. So we have to introduce our cast of characters, a.k.a. potential murder victims and or murder suspects. And uh, so we go through a lot of different guild members. Um, so there's, uh, talk about, um, uh, there's an argument between Tessa and Judith of the Rakdos. Uh, Krenko is here, uh, having bought an invitation. <laughs> uh, he's which, a legitimate uh, businessman. Which, he, which Tessa he... doesn't mind. Tessa just minds that he's being, like, kind of slobbish around the hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> Uh, Aurelia and Lavinia are both there and both really upset that the agency exists because it's taking away their crime-fighting powers. Uh, and, um, so we get, we get a good look at a lot of the people who are here from, uh, the guilds. Uh, but we also get a look at, uh, the agency. So we meet Ezrim. Um, they are an archon who leads the agency, um... The writer and Mount can be separate. That's a thing we learn <laughs> about Archons on Ravnica, or at least this one. Um, and uh, they have a new star detective, uh, some guy named Kellen. Uh, I don't think we've seen this character before. Um, has nothing to do with Oko at all. <laughs> Kellen, Kellen is here. He's being the best boy. He's a little, he's a little golden lab. I love yeah, him. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm told he's actually Kellen's son, and he's been in the last two sets, actually. Um, yeah. So he's on uh, Ravnica. We are continuing, continuing our Kellen saga. Uh, he plays a bigger role in the story than he does in um, whatever the last set was called. My brain is just mush. Um, lost, lost caverns, caverns of Ixalan. Yeah. Oh, perfect unison. Nailed it. Didn't even he, uh, practice that. Where he's just like a little, a little cameo appearance. Yeah, uh, and he he absconds with a vampire girl, uh, but she she does not show up in these chapters. Just so everyone knows, but Amalia is on Ravnica. Don't worry. Um, yeah, and so Kellen is here. Um, Kaya meets Ezra and Kellen. Um, and then Tessa tries to talk to Kaya about something in private. They're about to have their uh, their nice little. Uh, sapphic private conversation and share some vulnerabilities and concerns and then <gasps> there's a scream 
Dun, dun, dun. And that's where the chapter ends. Thank you for reading the dun, dun, dun that I put at the end of the notes that's for that chapter. Important. It's very important. It's very important. Uh, this chapter, episode one, was released back in December. Yes. They kind of gave it to us as like a little pre-holiday gift. Uh, it's it's great. I love that. I love that they did that. That was such a good idea. Because um, it doesn't reveal who was murdered in chapter one. It just like sets up all the players and the situation and gives us the like big, you know, build up to the murder, but doesn't reveal who's murdered. Actually, it doesn't even reveal necessarily that a murder happened. I was kind of wondering if the scream was just going to be someone who like dropped an hors d'oeuvre down someone's like shirt or something, you know, but uh, spoiler alert, it is a murder. Um. Uh, um, has been noted. Uh, the agency is the Ravnican Agency of Magicological Investigations, which I think is a phenomenal name. Uh, but understandably, it's just called the agency. Anyway, chapter two. Yeah, chapter two. The monsters we became. So every episode is has got like a guild inspired name to it. Um, the guild that inspires the episode's name is not necessarily related to the episode. Kind of somewhat related to this episode, though, because this one is the the Simic title, you know, Monsters We Became, because Simic like to, you know, graft like giant lobster claws on themselves. Um, <laughs> amongst other things, they also sometimes become oozes, which is fun. But Monsters We Became begins with the scream that ended uh, the last episode, Ghosts of Our Past, uh, and Kaya and Tesa run off to go discover what happened and they find a locked door where the scream came through. And they're just kind of like standing around waiting because the servants can't find the key to the door, um, which may be a clue, may not be a clue. Who knows? Everything could be a clue. Everything could be an indication of, of what happened. But the point is that they can't open the door and they're just sort of standing there waiting because Kaya can't phase through the door because Tesa's not an idiot and she's warded her house against Kaya because like, no matter how much Yuri is happening, or maybe because of all the Yuri that's happening, if you are a guild leader who just like deposed uh, a person who can walk through walls, uh, you probably want to make your house safe so that they don't, you know, walk through walls and kill you. I, I don't know that it's Kaya specific, but g generically, if you're the leader of the Orzhov, a guild full of vengeful ghosts who are in your debt, um you know, maybe maybe put some safety measures so that a bunch of ghosts don't just walk into your house and murder you constantly. <laughs> they really only have to murder you once. Um, anyways, uh, Ezram shows up and he's like, why haven't you opened this door? And they're like, we don't have the key. And then Ezram's like, I'm an Archon. Uh, and then Tase is like, fine, go ahead. And then Ezram kicks the door down because he's like a giant person on a mount. It's it's kind of unclear. It's it's like a big topic of discussion. Um, anyways, he kicks down the door and Kaya and Tesa rush in and it's revealed the first murder of murders at Karlov Manor, which is Zagana, the Simic Guildmaster from Return to Ravnica block, uh, who was kind of replaced by Vanifar uh, when we came back for Guilds of Ravnica. It's a little weird. They're kind of like in a co-leadership position, I think. Oh, what was replaced by Vanifar. So the Simic are run by um, a council uh, of of speakers. So each Zonot, um, which are these big uh, aquatic sinkholes, 
uh, in the city. Each Zonot has a speaker um, who functions as their uh, leader, and the guild itself is run by the council of the speakers, and then one of the speakers is um, voted prime speaker, and that person speaks for the guild. Uh, so uh, leading up to War of the Spark, uh, there was a vote, and um, Vanifar got enough votes to uh, depose uh, Zagana as prime speaker, though Zagana still sat on this council because she's still a speaker of her Zonot. Back to story summary. <laughs> well, Zagana still carries enough cachet as a leader of the Simic yeah. where her murder is essentially the same as murdering a guildmaster. Like, it would... it. It's a big deal. It's not a thing that just happens to any random uh, Simic. So it's a pretty big deal. Kaya is, of course, a little distraught. Tessa is also distraught. Uh, but Zagana is laid out on this, like, big bed of coats because this had been turned into, like, a coat room for all the guests. Uh, and in her hand, she's grasping a black iris. And uh, there were no black irises at the party. So there's like one of the first big clues of this mystery is where did this black iris come from? Uh, and it's revealed later on uh, that the way Zagana is laid out on all these coats, you can see all of the different guild symbols around her and the black iris sort of forms the shape of the Simic guild. So it's sort of like created a little tableau. Um, whoever did this murder is an artist is what we're learning. Anyways, there's also, like, no sign of violence. There's not blood anywhere. It's kind of difficult to tell what happened. Uh, but they immediately start shutting the place down. Tessa springs up some wards and keeps anyone from leaving. Uh, and then Aurelia shows up because, you know, she's a cop and she's got to do cop stuff uh, as, along with the Azorius. And they just start taking guests over and interviewing them in Verity Circles, uh, which... A little lore aside, the Verity Circle is a very old Ravnican thing. It is a circle of truth, essentially, that the Azorius can summon, and you cannot lie while you're standing in it. Uh, it is kind of like the Zone of Truth spell from D&D, uh, but you don't, like, you know that you're in it, but you can't resist it. And also, you don't have to talk, but if they ask you a question, you can only answer with the truth. Um, so they're interviewing every single person at the party, and they have a guest list, so they know everyone who's there. And that's when Uninvited to the Party shows up our world's most famous detective, which is a very real accolade that we, we acknowledge in the world, uh, Alquist Proft, who is a member of the agency who used to be a member of the Azorius. Uh, and he is the one who discovers all the guild symbols and figures out that Zagana has been laid out so that people can see all of the different uh, guilds of Ravnica. Uh, he also notices something that no one else realized, that there is someone else at the party who was not invited, a member of House Demir. That's right. There is, in disguise as a member of the Selesnia, Atrada, a Demir assassin, if you remember her, Atrada the Silencer, uh, and Proft susses her out, finds her, and Kaya chases her down, uh, Proft uses some really cool, like, mind magic to, like, create a fake city street to confuse her. And she ends up running directly into the arms of Kellen, who just happened to be standing there and has got a lot of experience hugging vampires, apparently. <laughs> um, so he um, he catches her. And uh, that's sort of like where the story ends. They've, they've caught the killer because 
no one else at the party was uninvited and she happened she's an assassin and she's dressed in a disguise so like obviously obviously it's a trotta right right uh I do have to add, Proft is one of the most delightful characters in Magic Story I have read in a very <laughs> long time. He is I, so wonderful. I, I love, love murder mysteries. I love fanciful detectives. Uh, Alquist Proft, hats off to Seanan for writing a phenomenal guy. <laughs> He's like the Sherlock Holmes meets benoit blanc style character he's that kind of detective hercule pro i don't know how to say hercule's last name um not a big agatha christie reader but uh yeah he's uh he's great i love proft so that that leads us directly into uh episode three which picks up shortly after the events of episode two uh shadows of regret yeah titled shadows of regret that's the demir reference yeah and now the party's officially crashed and people are heading out uh kaya realizes that tasa could have held everybody there but she's kind of like no just let him go um and she's tasa is also kind of being a little bit cagey with kaya um but ask her to give her three days for things to cool down then she'll summon her when they can talk and you know kaya is just like she kind of wants to leave Ravnica, but at the same time, she feels obligated to stay. Uh, but, you know, she goes about living her life, getting coffee and all this other stuff, and being relatively uh, out in the open as opposed to skirking, skulking in the shadows uh, so that she can be found when needed. Um, and she, as she's living her life, um, she can hear all the rumors being gradually increased upon like people are just escalating what they think happened until eventually someone's she does hear that people are starting to hear about murder and all this other stuff that happened at the uh the party but she's later she's eventually found by kellen uh at a coffee shop and he reveals to her that he joined the uh the investigator group because he's looking for his father, a planeswalker, and he asks Kaya if she knows who she is, or knows who he is. And Kaya is just dreading the thought of maybe it's someone that she knows that might have died in the war. And uh fortunately, when Kellen says Oko, she's like never heard of him. Probably the most like neutral statement that's ever been made about Oko ever. <laughs> You know, like the nicest thing anyone's ever said about him is, I don't know him. I mean, his mom thought very highly of him to a point, but you know. Oh, that's true. Um, but eventually they uh, bring up the the reason why he's even there in the first place is that um, Ezrim has caught, has summoned Kaya to the agency, um, and Kaya obliges. Um. When they get back to the HQ and she meets with Ezra, uh, he offers lead on the investigation since she's relatively neutral, um, all things considered, being the deposed leader of the Azorius, or of the Orzhov, and um, since 
the Boros and Azorius don't want the agency involved at all. You know, it, it, it works out for everybody. Uh, but Kaya flatly turns him down and leaves. Um, That's the refusal of the call for all the Hero's Journey fact-checkers at home. But yeah. So, uh, we flash, we transition to Proft, who is uh, interviewing Atrada, um, who reveals she passed the Verity Circle test because she wasn't lying. She didn't kill Zagana at all. And then we flash back to Kaya, who is finally meeting up with um, who has finally been summoned to meet with Tessa and you know the 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 Orzhov person who's <laughs> been sent to, to retrieve her is kind of interesting as far as the relationship to uh, Kaya just because of the dynamic that she's no longer the official leader of the Orzhov but she has some station and he delivers a message Kaya pays him and he's off uh, she makes her way to Tace's mansion, finds that the place is deserted, because Kaya has apparently sent them all away, and, uh, she finds Tessa stabbed with her own cane. It, it's, it, it's, it's not a pretty sight for her, and she's very, very sad about it, and in one hand, she finds a note written in Phyrexian. I thought, I thought they were all gone. What, what's happening here? Dun, dun, dun. A clue. Yeah. A scary one for me. Hate Phyrexians. Kill the fire. <laughs> um, and then we flash back to Proft interviewing Atrada. And, you know, Proft has come to the realization that Atrada isn't innocent. He's the key to cracking the case because he's, you know, he's glad that she wasn't involved with the murder and that he did that the Verity Circles didn't work because that was apparently very important to him. And then he uh, lets her out of her cell. She goes invisible. And then he bluffs to the uh, guards in the room next door. He's like, hey, I was promised a prisoner. Where's my prisoner? And then all hell breaks loose. And they take advantage of the chaos that, that ensues to get out. Proft is so good. <laughs> That's brilliant. I love Atrada too. I we got a lot of her in episode five, which we're not discussing today. But like everything, oh God, Shannon is so good at this. Pro- really the Proft the Proft Atrada dynamic is very excellent. Um, I I like when so I love murder mysteries where that involve a private detective who's not a cop. Um, because then a private detective can do things that say, fuck the cops, uh, like breaking out your prime suspect for prison because you know they're innocent and the cops believe she's guilty. Um, it's great. It's good stuff. But yeah, Tasa's dead. In her own yeah. house. Yeah. Oops. Death is in final on Ravnica, so I'm not super worried about it. Yeah, we we kind of knew Tasa was going to die. Like, there's a lot of marketing about it, but it still kind of like shocked some people because she wasn't the first one to die, and so everyone got lulled into a sense of of complacency. And then, uh, then she got got. Not gonna lie, it caught me off guard. I thought Zagana was the only murder that was going to be happening here. 
it's plural murders there's gotta be more than one yeah well but uh the end of the end of episode three leaves us with like a really good cinematic beat to it and i really loved it i was talking about it in the discord mm-hmm. where like you can hear the music like if you just like read it and you think about it like you can hear the way that someone would orchestrate these scenes of like kaya finding the dead body and then cutting over to prof breaking atrada out of prison like you can just sort of like hear the excitement build up and one thing i really love is that this is episode three and like in the traditional five episode story that we've gotten for years now, this would be kind of like sort of like the climax would be happening here. Like this would be the high point of the action and then everything else would be sort of following from that. But here it's we're just getting started. Episode three is like the beginning of the real mystery, you know, and I, I love that. And then there's episode four, Justice Before Mercy, or is it just ice before mercy? I'm not sure how this word is pronounced. <laughs> uh, Kaya, who can become a ghost and talks to ghosts, uh, is sitting next to her murdered friend and is like a little panicky because this is not great, but also she's very professional. Make sure not to touch the body, uh, although is like super paranoid about... Um, the this note in Phyrexian and does pick it up and crumple it and put it in her pocket. Uh, also, when she is walking around, her feet are ghosty so that she doesn't disturb like any of the broken glass or ceramics on the floor uh, or anything, uh, and leaves like no sign that she's there. Um, but we get an explanation why she isn't just like, "Hey, Tasa's ghost, who killed you?" Uh, the first being. Becoming a ghost is really disorienting and doesn't happen immediately after someone dies all the time. Um, There is, like, both the, like, psychic adjustment of being dead and then also the physical adjustment of existing as a ghost. Um, And if a ghost is going to manifest after death, it will do so on its own time. Uh... And she later explains that also she is not a necromancer. She can become spectral. She can turn objects into spectral things to interact with ghostness. But she cannot just summon ghosts from the dead. She can just talk to ones that are already there. Um, And so we don't get to just ask Tessa who killed her. Um, And... Kaya talks to some of the the ghost servants who are all like, yeah, we know you're innocent. Like, don't worry. Like, we will we'll testify. We we know you didn't kill your very good friend and maybe sapphic romance partner. Um so Kaya, now having witnessed this murder, says, Well, I guess I have to go back to the agency, huh? Um and agency, everyone at the agency is losing their minds because Atrada has escaped and all the guilds are yap, yap, yapping through their representatives here. Uh, and it's just chaos. And so Kaya, Kaya needs to talk to Ezrum, who's in an argument with a bunch of people. Uh, and so she ends up running into Kellen and is like, Kellen, perfect. Just who I wanted to see. Yoinks 
him out of his conversation is like, hey, you need to go tell Ezra that I'm here because I turned him down and I feel weird just walking back in. Um, so they talk to Ezra and Kaya's like, hey, Tessa got murdered. I saw her body when I went over there today. You know, you can verity circle me. I didn't do it. But like, it's probably connected. We need to put a team together. I want to be on this case. Like you said, I could a couple days ago. Uh, the whole time knowing that the uh, note is in her pocket and being like really nervous that she's hiding evidence. But also if she's working the case, then at least someone on the case will know it exists. And she can tell only people she trusts. So she gets partnered up with Kellen. Uh, and as they are leaving, um, they run in to a very old character, the ghost of Agris Koss, the Boros detective from the very first Ravnica block, who was the main character of those three novels. Uh, he is here uh, on behalf of the Boros. He is working with the agency. They chat him up a little bit. Uh, it's a little cameo. It's nothing big. Um, but enjoy your fan service, Vorthoses. Uh, Agriscos is still around. Um, Kai and Kellen are headed to talk to Judith at her club. Uh, there's like, she speaks on behalf of the guild because people aren't entirely, people haven't seen Rakdos in a while. Uh, and so Judith has been speaking for the guild. But didn't want to give any testimony or submit to questioning at any of this. So uh, they're following up at her club called the Hellbender, uh, which Chris has typed lol hellbent, referencing <laughs> the original Blocks Rakdos mechanic. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> I also am sitting here amused. A hellbender is a type of salamander. Um, yep. <laughs> so I. I don't know if that came from the world guide or if that was a Shannon thing, but Shannon, if the Hellbender title for the club was you, I see you. I see what you're doing over there. You're very clever and I appreciate you. <laughs> and so, uh, wow, speaking of good puns, you wrote and get a sharp reception before finally getting in. Uh, yeah, so they meet a, a, a Rakdos boy outside the club who uh, Kaya threatens with a knife, and then he tries to stab her, but her gut turns ghostly, and she's like, that ain't gonna work, kiddo. Let me in. And he's like, geez, I was just gonna have you, like, pay the cover charge. And Kaya's just like, buddy, I'm the former Orzhov guildmaster. I'm not gonna pay anyone outside my guild. And it's very cheeky. Uh, they go in, and it's, like, during the off hours, and, uh, Judith, uh, it's, like, empty. And Judith comes out, and it's just, like, laughing, and it's like, what are you doing here? Um, but she doesn't know anything. They had a, a small argument about some money stuff, um, and she's like, hey, Kaya, you wanna, you wanna, you wanna actually solve the crime? You need to head over to V2 Ghazi. Uh, in the Selesnia district, because they have the original guild pact. And I think you should read that document for a hint of what might be going on. Um, and so Judith, dead end, still very suspicious. Who knows? Guild pact, 
clue. End of chapter four. What could be happening? We don't know yet. Well, I, God, I've loved these stories so much. I, I love that we're still getting some fallout from the War of the Spark. Uh, I like that we're, we're, you know, we're just seeing a lot going on. There was that scene where Atrada tried to run into that dragon's maze. It was, it was pretty incredible. And um, Cranko gate crashing the party. Wow. And now we have said the name of every Ravnica set uh, in this podcast episode. So we've finished that quota. We can move on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, have we have we referenced Dragon's Maze? Yeah, yeah. I said that Atrada ran into that Dragon's Maze. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was, Good. yeah, it's, Dragon's Maze was the hardest one to figure out how to work into here. So. Yeah, that's why I didn't say it earlier. <laughs> and instead was like, yeah, we're done. Uh, it's God. This, these stories are so good. They're very good Ravnica stories. Um, yeah, you're getting there's so many good characterizations, so much good lore and world building. A lot of it is just reminding us of things that we already knew about Ravnica, but in in new light. Um, like the copy of the original Guild Pact has been in Vitugazi since like before Return to Ravnica. Like we knew it was there. You know, and it's just never been referenced, uh, which I really think is really cool. Uh, it's yeah, this is just some A plus story. Uh, the, another thing that I do want to mention is like you need to go read the stories because like there are so many clues and like suggestions and like hints just like buried into the text, like things that I don't I don't know the result of but like you read something you're like this exchange between these two characters yeah they might be saying something more than what we're noticing and we won't know until the killer is revealed yeah, yeah um, it, I definitely can't wait to reread this stuff once everything's revealed to see how many clues I missed uh-huh like it's gonna be wonderful it, it's been very interesting <laughs> as the stories have come out and I'm reading them again and watching people talk about them uh what people are getting, what people are missing. It's uh it's good. Uh but yeah, there there's more I like please go read the stories. Click on the links, open the stories, read the text. Um uh, even if you listen to the audio versions, um find some time to click on the links and just get get hits on those web pages. because uh, that's how we get that's how we prove that the stories are being read and appreciated uh, and signal that we want more of them. Uh, clicks, 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 because we live in a capitalist hellscape. Yeah. Uh, on that note, there's a couple of cool things happening with these stories that we yeah. haven't gotten before. Uh, one of them, you mentioned audio versions. Uh, as of right now, the official Magic Story podcast is releasing audio versions, but they've only released one episode as of Dave recording. It seems like they go, they might be like on a weekly schedule or something. They're taking a really, they're taking their time releasing official audio versions. And in light of that, the author of the Lost Caverns of Ixalan story, Valerie Valdez, is reading the stories on her Twitch channel the day they come out. So if you are like thinking you you can't really read the story for any reason uh, or you don't want to read it and you just want to listen, click the link to the story, but then you can go and like listen to Valerie read the story. Uh, I've been doing that even though I've read the story also just because it's fun to hear the audio version um, and she does a great job with it. She gets her husband involved. He's very talented. Uh, so 
recommend that. And then also we're getting these like behind the scenes DVD extras from Shannon that are mm-hmm. just absolutely delightful. Uh, she's posting them on her own blog where she just goes through the story and like writes little notes about things in the background of the story that help people contextualize sometimes it's it's great there's intended for people who aren't super familiar with magic story to help give some context of what's happening here which if you are a newer vorthos uh might be helpful to you uh because not everyone is sitting on oodles and oodles and oodles of years of lore knowledge like we are (laughs) i don't know that i have much more to say about these stories today i i don't want to speculate either like it feels weird if i start speculating in this episode when we've only done four episodes of the story when i've read five and then tomorrow is going to be six and so like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say what i think i'll say that i think there are some things in these stories that we're missing you know like i feel like there are hints there are things that we're just glazing over and I can't wait to figure out what it is we missed. That's the Hopefully thing I always donuts. find exciting. Yeah. I do I'll love, love a glazed, glazed over a donut. <laughs> I uh, yeah, like I'm I love the moment in the in the mystery, right? Towards the end of like Knives Out, they do it, Glass Onion does it. Yeah. You know, those are two great examples. But like pretty much every mystery has a moment at the end where they reveal everything you missed. The yeah, little the, the details. Wrap up. The wrap-up. I can't wait for Alquist Proft to, to deliver his wrap up. That is going to be incredible. And I hope he gets one because that man is delightful. I love him. <laughs> yeah. My big thing with that is that I hope that he gets one, but like I was hoping that he would be with Kaya and Kellen a little bit longer in the story. So all of that would be revealed all at once, but either way, can't wait to see it. I, uh, I also love the little cameos we're getting of characters who may or may not have a big part in the story, but still get to show up. Uh, they could have a big part, but like Cranko is here. He hasn't really played any part in the mystery part of this, but we got a fun scene with Cranko. Uh, Agris Koss is here. He's not playing a big part in the story so far, but like what a blast from the past, right? You know, it's it's just nice to see these characters just have a moment on screen and then we can be like, oh, yes, Agriscos is still here. Cranko is still around. You know, we get to experience them. Lavinia shows up for a very brief moment. I'm sure she'll show up more later, but it's nice. And really, I'm just filling time because Lorelai can't say anything. <laughs> because Lorelai already knows oh. everything. I know too much. Yeah. Um, well, that sounds like we're finished an episode. Yeah, let's move on to yeah. final thoughts. Uh, well, before we move on to final thoughts, because we didn't uh, mention it at the top of this episode, go to MagicCon Chicago if you can. And if you're at MagicCon Chicago, 11 a.m. on Saturday, we have a panel talking about villains and criminals and ne'er-do-wells in the Owen Path era, wanted poster style. It's going to be really fun uh, to get us in the mood for Thunder Junction. Uh be there. It's going to be a blast. Uh, but now we can go into final thoughts. Well, do you have a final thought, Lorelai? Yeah, my final thought. So it finally happened. Uh, I finally had a final thought at the be- before we started recording. And we're now at the final Ooh. thoughts part 
and I have remembered what my final thought was going to be. Oh. Um, which is very simple this week uh, because it was something I was just thinking about unrelated to any of the podcast stuff. Uh, um, but a friend was talking about Signalis on Twitter and that got me thinking about how hummingbirds are just bees and dinosaurs. Like, convergent evolution is very cool and dinosaurs were just like, hey, but what if we did what bees do? And it's weird to think about the clade that has things like Tyrannosaurus Rex and Titanosaurus uh, also now being so tiny that they function like bees um, in terms of, like, ecological niches. Uh, and I think that rules. Hummingbirds are weird and neat. They're the, small the smallest dinosaurs that have ever existed, not close, exist today. Uh, and that's rad. I do like hummingbirds a lot. We we get a bunch of hummingbirds around here during the the warmer months, and they're very they're very pretty. And it's like it's like it's interesting watching like just a huge adaptive radiation of um all kinds of animals, uh, but predominantly insects uh, in the Cretaceous with the evolution of angiosperms, flowering plants. Because um, this is when we see a lot of um, hymenopterans and lepidopterans evolve uh, their nectar-drinking ways um, and evolving eusocialism. Um, and it's cool. And then, like, dinosaurs mimic that. And then you have, like, hummingbird moths mimicking that again. And so, like, it's just, it's neat. It's cool. I like nature. That's my final thought. I'm just thinking about the birds and the bees. <laughs> Parentheses, literal. <laughs> um, I lost my final thought. Uh... Oh no, this is the price <laughs> of mine. <laughs> oh crap. I've doomed the... Come back to me, Chris. Come back to me. Alright, alright. My final thought. It's really hard to think of anything that's not magic related right now, because <laughs> I am having a really great time with these stories. Um, it's been really fun to like have a community to interact with, uh, with the mystery and being able to like discuss the different, you know, possibilities there. There are some wild theories going out there. Uh, we're having a lot of fun on the, the discord, but like just even on Twitter, on Twitch streams, just talking to people about it. It's just been a lot of fun. This is a great time to like magic story. Uh, if I have to pick a final thought that's not directly related, I am like really trying to teach myself how to edit the podcast using different software right now. So like y'all aren't going to get an episode that's been edited with something different in like the near future unless I like ace it. But I'm just like as like a little side hobby, as like a little personal development, I'm trying to learn some new editing software stuff. And so it's been really fun to like just kind of sit there with old podcast files and like try and edit it together using like audacity and logic instead of uh, Adobe audition. So like if anyone out there who's listening is like really into editing podcasts and wants to like give me some ideas of what they do and how they make it work. Uh, I appreciate it. I'm currently trying to make a way to edit the podcast that doesn't involve using subscription based software because like, I don't want to pay for Adobe um, I currently don't pay for Adobe, so like 
I don't want to make that a thing I do. Uh, and I'm trying to, to, to learn new ways to, to do it. So it's just fun to stretch my, my thinking cap a little bit and explore new possibilities. And coming back to me, my final thought is that uh, the Green Bay Packers are in the playoffs. I knew it. I was like, I bet, I bet Brian's final thought is going to be about the Packers. I knew it was going to happen. There was something else, but like, it's, I'm just very happy that uh, Jordan Love is going to be, is looking to be the third good quarterback that the Packers have had in a row. Uh, so here's to another 15 years of excellent quarterback play. And I'm sorry for the rest of the NFC North. Uh, so yeah, sports ball. Have a, have a you know, it, it's just good. Love it. I I don't understand anything about football. I don't want to know. I love passionate football fans though. <laughs> like I love seeing people who like love their team. And so like I am always delighted when you're posting about Packers <laughs> because like I don't know anything about them, but I'm like yeah, I'm go Packers. Happy for them. Um, maybe that's because I live in Atlanta and the Falcons are garbage. And so I never see anyone happy about them. <laughs> so it's nice to, to see someone really into their team. Of course of the Atlanta sports fan. <laughs> yeah. All right. What do you mean? What do you mean curse of being a Philadelphia lost like three championships in one calendar year? <laughs> yeah. I don't know anything about Philadelphia sports teams. I think my sister is really into the Eagles. Um, I know that I don't like the Patriots. I don't know anything about them. Just know I don't like them. Lorelai, but, but that means that your team's had an opportunity to play in said championships. Atlanta doesn't have that very often. Yeah, we don't care. You think people in Philadelphia care if we get to a championship and lose? That's just as bad as being the worst team in the league. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe even worse. Because there was hope that got dashed. Oh, yeah. As an Atlanta fan, or not even a fan, as an Atlanta resident, don't talk to me about your hopes being dashed. Yeah. We, we've we seen the worst of it. But you know what's better than having your hopes dashed by an inconsequential playoff loss? It's being a member of our Patreon. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, as he mentioned before, everyone who uh, supports us at patreon.com slash cast gets access to our Discord community, which, again, is just alive with discussion right now. Uh, we are thriving. Um, and uh, in addition, we do have a higher tier uh, for uh, folks who have Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern free and would like to sit in a, a voice call and uh, live listen to us record the podcast. You can't talk. Uh, but we sure can, and uh, you get to hear us uh, a couple days early. You, uh, you know, if we're here, uh, if we show up, the podcast early or hang around afterwards a little bit. Sometimes we chat with folks. It's a good time, um, and it's a lot of fun. Um, and we uh, we appreciate all our listeners, uh, all our Patreon supporters. Uh, everyone out there who reads Magic Story and lets it be known that it's something that you want more of, because we like Magic Story, we like Magic Art, we love all those worth to see good things. So, thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast. <laughs>